and welcome everybody to this week's Freedonomic show, the show where we combine the macroeconomic environment with that transportation supply chain twist to it. I'm Zach Strickland, head of market intelligence here at Freightways. With me as always, Anthony Smith, chief economist. That's right. And this is Freightonomics, where we combine, you guessed it, freight and economics together. And we are your lovely host for the next 25 minutes and 22 seconds. And throughout that time, we're going to talk about the latest trends, the market updates, what we expect going into the second half of 2022, some of the trends that people aren't talking about, some of the trends that people should be talking about. And if you happen to see me looking down from time to time, I'm only being a little bit rude, I will be looking at LinkedIn for any kind of comments, questions you want to jump in on the conversation. If you happen to be watching at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can jump in the conversation, cancel Zach, have a hot take for 2022, whatever it might be, join the conversation. Absolutely. So I'm going to start something. I'm going to start us off with something a little different uh, this week. Uh, this is going to be a new segment, and I'm going to I'm going to mess with it because I can do that. Uh, I'm going to call it the market in two. So basically, since we do cover a lot of freight market analytics, I figure, you know what? We're all busy. Maybe we don't have time to watch a full show. Maybe I can cover all the hot, at least trends or high level trends in two minutes. Uh, so you guys can go out and live your life and make your business decisions as appropriately as possible. So I'm going to get things kicked off here uh, with my market in two here in about 10 seconds. I'm going to start off. So you hold me accountable and we'll go through it. So here we go. First chart up. We're going to have the NTI, uh, the National Truckload Index. It measures spot market activity, spot rates. Uh, moving flat week over week. So if you're, lo- and you're operating in the spot market right now, you should not have noticed much changes week over week. However, if you do look back at the last couple of months there, that white line has been trending lower. We're approximately, uh, we're still 9% down year over year. Now, that orange line right there is including fuel because fuel is a huge component of truckload cost. Uh, that orange line has dropped 24% year over year. Uh, so excluding fuel, spot rates have actually deteriorated significantly. So that's basically an inflationary adjustment that you're looking at in that orange line. So spot rates down flat month over month-ish, uh, but we're starting to see some return to that trend as things start to fall back a little bit harder, and they've fallen back much harder if you include fuel. Now, the next chart I want to pull up here, contract load acceptance volumes, CLAV as we call it. This is our contract accepted volume index. So it's measuring loads that have moved under contract. So these earnings re- reports that we're going to talk about this uh, this week, talking about these larger carriers, larger fleets that have not seen the deterioration that we've been talking about. Well, this index explains it. If you look at that white line compared to the green line, the white line is this year, the green line is last year. We have not seen significant deterioration until July. Over the last couple of weeks, we have increased from a down 2% in June to a down 3 to 5% in July, and we're starting to see more deterioration. So what that means is there's, there's a lot less contracted freight moving through these larger carriers, larger fleets. They're just now starting to see it. Now, the last chart I'm going to pull up here, contract rates. Uh, so contract rates for both refrigerated in the green and van there in the white. If you look at the white line, we're, down, we're up about 10% year over year. Green line, of course, up about 30% year over year, meaning... Even though we're seeing less volume moving under contract, it's moving at a much higher price. And these carriers are definitely recognizing that on their revenue. So we still have a long tail, Anthony Smith. How'd I do? (laughs) Pretty good. It's like you did a 
carrier update that was timed once or twice in your day? I did a few of them. I don't know. It's been a minute. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of stepped out of that for the moment. So, uh, yeah. So there's the market update. So we're still, Anthony, in this early sector of market kind of cooling off from this mm-hmm. overheated COVID environment. And I think that's the point. Yeah. And, and I think this, I mean, this is, of course, a very, you know, freight-centric view of it, and as it should be. And I think we look at some of the macro indicators, mm-hmm. we're also in early stages of slowdown. We're starting to see that swing that I, I've been trying to, you know, really kind of get out there for a long time now in the employment market is starting to happen. That shift mm-hmm. is happening. That cooling down is happening. And we're starting to see those macroeconomic movements happen right now. Mm-hmm. And this is early innings. So this can really go on throughout the second half of 2022 well into 2023. Yeah, and I think one of the big takeaways for me is that spot rate, that NTI index that, you know, if you look at the fuel, obviously fuel has inflated tremendously over the last couple of years. You know, you're looking at it now, that orange line much more exaggerated than that and that nominal rate implies. Uh, so we're, we're seeing these rates propped up by inflationary pressure, such as fuel, and you as well know, uh, inflation and fuel has been much faster than in a lot of the other sectors. Yeah, I mean, even if we look at the different levels of inflation, so mm-hmm. for example, the PPI and the CPI, mm-hmm. this data got updated not too long ago. And we look at the CPI, the consumer price index, it showed that there was an increase, I think it was around um, 1.3% or something like that for the month, yeah. um, but over 9% on a year-over-year basis. When we look at the PPI, I think we have a chart for this right. one. Um, we're seeing that the, pre- there it is, the, the PPI is actually outpacing on a relative scale, the consumer price index. And so that is showing that producers aren't accepting all price increases. Right. They still haven't passed everything across. Now, this changes when we kind of get into fuel because mm-hmm. things like gas, fuel, things like that, that gets passed along just right away. But outside of that, they're still taking some hits. And that shows that there's still a runway for inflationary pressures to build out. So any kind of inflationary pressures outside of gas, outside of fuel, mm-hmm. still likely to happen. Yeah, and, and that's obviously going to take time to manifest with our consumer friends, such as you and me. <laughs> we're consumers, all of us are, to an extent. And that's something that we're going to talk about here with our earnings report. So in the newsonomics today, uh, this sector is going to basically be, this section is basically going to be 100% earn, earnings driven mm. uh, because we had J.B. Hunt, Knight Swift, and also Martin all talking about second quarter beats. And the title of today's show, of course, is we aren't surprised. Uh, if you have been looking at the data and following this, I actually even wrote an article about it a month and a half ago, I think, mm-hmm. talking about how that CLAV chart that I talked about in the market update yeah. is not showing the deterioration that the spot market or the NTI is. And a lot of these, uh, there it is right there, the CLAV, uh, just the demand for contract freight hasn't manifested the same way that that spot freight has. Uh, the market simply was overflowing for the, you know, large portion of the last year and a half. And that's kind of fallen out. And of course, CARES with getting 10 to 30% higher contract rates. And you saw in that chart, uh, they're, they're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> they can handle a 3 to 5% deterioration. And they, and they really haven't seen significant deterioration just yet. Yeah, and this is going to be one of those areas, like you said, you uh, wrote about this some time ago. We were talking about this some time ago as mm-hmm. well. Um, what the larger carriers will be likely experiencing versus mm-hmm. some of the smaller operations, some of the, the spot markets going through right now. Right. So I think, like you said, we're, we're not surprised at some mm-hmm. of these, uh, these, these beats, but let's jump into the segment. Yeah, so Shelly Simpson, of course, being promoted to uh, president of J.B. Hunt, well-deserved. She is fantastic and extremely intelligent uh, lady. 
who works with us quite a bit. But, <laughs> you know, this isn't about that. Uh, this is, she did make a couple of statements that I kind of want to break down uh, objectively, as so to speak. And, you know, this, uh, th- this company, J.B. Hunt, did surprise me. And I had to do a little bit of digging because most of it I understood uh, inherently. Uh, you know, I used to be a financial analyst. I used to help develop a lot of these income statements and balance sheets. And I, I got into the data that way. So I actually look into these kind of like, like I'd used to. Uh, so JB Hunt, of course, reporting a overcome slow rail service in Q2B. Todd Maiden wrote all the articles that we're talking about today. Please go to the site. He is a fantastic, uh, financial markets reporter that we have here. Um, so Shelly Simpson says, we do think that there will be a peak season. To what extent, we're still not sure. Mm. What does that tell you? So that that's almost sounds like uh, an economist uh, or two that I, I've, I've talked to before in my day. And so it, it's giving an answer, but it's not quite pinpointing it down. And that's a safe answer. And that's kind of what you have to do on some of these quarterly calls. You have to give an answer, but you have to leave a little bit of wiggle room. I know yeah. back in my early days of forecasting as an economist, you used to put these rails on a trend. And the more uncertain you felt about it, the, the wider the range was. Because right. like, hey, there's a little bit of wiggle room here. <laughs> so I think she's giving herself a little bit of wiggle room here with still giving a straightforward answer. Absolutely. Second statement. I think our customers are prepared to have a good second half. I haven't had a lot of feedback on a significant downturn. And I don't think she would. <laughs> I don't think they would. Like, like we mentioned earlier, I don't, we, she wouldn't. You know, they wouldn't be hearing that. And, why would they? Yeah. Why, why, would you, why would you, as a customer that has promised a certain amount of volume to your carrier, why would you say, hey, we're not going to give you as much business? Right. Because all that does is hand leverage back over to your carrier to be like, well, because we're going to see a deterioration in revenue. Also, as a former pricing guy, uh, <laughs> uh, we're probably going to need to give you a rate increase, something mm-hmm. that shippers and BCOs have been accustomed to getting uh, often. So, I, I again, a statement you read between the lines, it's saying a little bit more than, you know, even though you're not committing to a downturn, you're not also saying that it's not going to not be a downturn. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, so breaking down the numbers a little bit, a, a couple of call-outs here, man. JB Hunt revenue up 31%. Uh, revenue per load up 31% uh, on the uh, you know intermodal side. Uh, this side, of course, their largest uh, sector accounting for $1.8 billion of revenue uh, compared to the other two. Uh, they're not quite as big. Um, and then we have uh, you know the dedicated side, also showing a pretty strong 38, 40, almost 40% year-over-year growth and revenue on the dedicated. Now, this makes total sense. Intermodal, of course, still lots of congestion. There's still a lot of demand there. It's slower service, as stated in the title of this article, mm. but that's actually a, a bit of a, a benefit right now as these shippers don't have anywhere to put their freight. Right. Warehousing's full. Uh, they're leaving their containers, essentially, scattered at the ports, which is contributing to the congestion which, of course, we talked to Zach Rogers last week, actually inhibiting them and getting their freight that they need today yeah. <laughs> uh, out of the yard. So it's, it's a not full. a great situation. <laughs> you spoke them into existence. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, Dr. Zach Rogers just made a comment on uh-huh. LinkedIn just now saying, between the retail wholesale diesel spread, AB5, and how over-leveraged newer carriers who brought in their new equ- their equipment in the last two years, it's a tough time to be a small carrier. Yes, absolutely. And that actually is a great segue into the biggest takeaway from the J.B. Hunt earnings report. Uh, They had tractor growth (laughs) 
going from 1770 in Q2 to 2623 on the truckload side of their business. They're segmented out into intermodal, dedicated, brokerage, final mile, truckload. <laughs> that truckload side is the one that everybody kind of applies to J.B. Hunt is like this. Mm-hmm. That's the main part of the... Actually, it's the smallest outside of the final mile. Right. It's the smallest part of their business. However, according to this, it's actually taken over the, you know, it's taken over the final mile <laughs> uh, sector um, by a, a little bit here because they grew by 48% on their fleets. Their revenue also grew in hand-in-hand, hand, 46% year-over-year year in the trucking side. So that's pretty impressive. That's impressive, yeah. nonetheless. But it had me thinking, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does this company who's grown, and this is year-over-year, year, so it's a 12-month growth, and we looked into it. Thomas Wasson helped me out with this. <laughs> uh, we dug into their uh, PDF here, and I want to post up this image of J.B. Hunt truckload, uh, this one sector of their PDF that's available on their website. If you look at company-owned tractors, uh, 26. If you look at independent contractor, oh man, <laughs> that's 800-something, 800-something. <laughs> if you, One of the big storylines that we are seeing develop as we speak is this defragmentation. Zach Rogers even mentioned it mm-hmm. last week. Defragmentation, acceleration, independent contractor growth, leased fleet, so this doesn't actually, they don't carry the asset on their balance sheet. This is an independent contractor that is now sort of, they get the revenue to an extent um, and their margins, and they don't carry as much of the cost. So these independent contractors can use J.B. Hunt as a sales source or a business management source, if you will, um, as, and they can maintain some level of freedom and independence. And that's, that's a trend that we're going to be watching very closely because the spot market decline, yeah. that's independent owner-operator heavy. Uh, a lot of that fragmentation is out there in that space, if you will. Um, and a lot of these smaller carriers, smaller fleets, are going to get absorbed back into these larger entities. Yeah, and I think that's a great point there. And does this kind of also shift a little bit of that potential liability, in a sense, um, yeah. what's going with this model, I'm guessing. Yeah. And also, uh, so I guess keeping it moving along, we have what else? Knight Swift. Is that Knight right? Swift. So the biggest asset provider in the United States for hire. Not a lot of surprises here. There was really only one sector of their whole thing. Now they, of course, revenue's up. Uh, their average tractor count didn't move uh, year over year, 21. This has been the story of most of the pandemic. These larger fleets have not grown their their tractors. J.B. Hunt was the exception, and they did it with owner-operators. They didn't go out and buy trucks. <laughs> yeah. That's the big takeaway from that one. Um, revenue per load, up. Deadhead, up. So actually, operationally, they were less efficient because they're deadhead. They're dri- they're, that's their non-revenue mile, so they're having to go drive further to get to their next load without a customer paying for it, except their customers paying uh, quite a bit more, about 21% more (laughs) uh, than they were this time last year because of those contract rate increases. So revenue curing and hiding a lot of inefficiency, which you can get away with. And I'm not saying that this is a wrong, they're doing anything wrong. This is exactly what you need to do because carriers traditionally don't make a lot of money. Their margins are small and tight, too tight, uh, I would argue having been in that space. So um, this allows them to have a little bit more freedom to go pick up things because the networks are naturally unbalanced. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I just got to mention, so Zach Rogers is just like, you know, just preaching over here in the comments section. He's saying, if you're a big carrier or NMO operator, example, J.B. Hunt, mm -hmm. You're enjoying rates being significantly higher than they were pre-pandemic. If you're a smaller carrier and you grew up in this elevated environment, it's going to be a tough cope. Oh, yeah. Because especially if you went out and bought a, a used truck yeah, at the same cost as what used to be a new truck cost, <laughs> yeah. according to our used truck prices, uh, yeah, you're now stuck with a large bill that you cannot afford, uh, especially when you look at the spot market deterioration, excluding fuel. <laughs> yeah, and, and also if you haven't been through a, a, a freight downturn before. Oh, God help And you. this is interesting <laughs> because we're seeing these stories, of course, from J.B. Mm -hmm. Hunt, these large carriers. And this kind of puts into that perspective of, you know, we can have not the same timing in macroeconomic movements of, say, like a macroeconomic recession and, you know, what's going on in the freight world, even though there are some really weak and fragile parts in the supply chain right now. Mm -hmm the numbers aren't always going to line up exactly right. of like where there's going to be complete fall off and deterioration in one segment versus the macroeconomy. So I think this is a good example of that. Yeah. The one, uh, the one surprising aspect of Night Swift was their growth in their logistics sector. Mm. Night Swift transportation uh, really blew up <laughs> in terms of overall load volume, which was up almost 50% year over year. Uh, surprising. This is actually kind of contrary. J.B. Hunt didn't see this, but they did see their revenue growth in the logistics sector, the 3PL sector, quite a bit. Asset-based brokerage, really different than the traditional 3PL models that are independent of assets. So it, it is a little different because they kind of support the asset model a little bit more. Um, that was the one surprising thing. However, their overall revenue per load did not expand that much, but their margin their brokerage margin per load expanded 870 basis points from 15.7 to 24.4. Wow. This actually makes a ton of sense in a transitional market. Mm -hmm. If you are a broker, your job is to know what can I sell, what can I buy? <laughs> and that's where you make your money. So if the market is in a downturn and you, you're on the other end and you don't know that, you keep your rate high and you can buy low. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that's what happens on the front end. This is actually where, this is a brokerage-friendly environment where we're in a transitional period down. Because now you can keep your rate high and you can sell or you can buy at a lower price point. Yeah, and this is like we've always said, brokers really are able to make a ton of money or really, mm -hmm. they want volatility. Mm -hmm. They want shift. They want changes in the market. And yeah. this is a perfect environment yeah, for It's actually right harder now. on the front end yeah. because you're having to convince somebody that they, you have to pay more. Yeah. Uh, that actually compresses your margins. So they're in a they're in a pretty positive environment now. Now the last one I want to cover: Martin Transport, uh, high you know refrigerated uh, sector uh, carrier. Really, no big surprises here. Marginal tractor decline, so no capacity growth. Uh, their deadhead was up. Revenue per load essentially flat. Uh, you know, or revenue per tractor actually was up, uh, but their revenue per load on their um, I guess one of their sides was actually relatively flat. Yeah, the brokerage side, <laughs> my point exactly. Brokerage revenue, flat, margin expands, same story as Night Swift, uh, and that's, that's our earnings takeaways from the ones that are reported so far. Uh, we're in a transitional period. I don't care what people say. You got to read between the lines on some of these headlines. Mm -hmm. The market's turning down. Brokerage, broker, brokerage margins expanding means that there's volatility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of headlines, so um, 
just to mention some macroeconomic numbers here. Yeah, tell um, us what, what we're like. I mean, a lot of these guys are trying to paint a picture that things are good moving forward mm-hmm. without saying that they're good. They have to do that. I would do the exact same thing if I were in their position because <laughs> uh, you have to. Uh, yeah. you're, you're held accountable to that. And, um, but you don't want to be you know, false. So what are some of the things we're seeing in the macroeconomic environment? We're, we're, in the transportation world, we've seen some really strong traditional signals spot market deterioration, mm-hmm. tender rejection rates coming back down. Mm-hmm. Volumes haven't necessarily fallen off that far, though, for some of this consistent freight, though. Yeah. So uh, what, throughout the pandemic, what was the big driver of, you know, a lot of the activity throughout the freight world? It was going to be the consumer. You saw all consumer these consumer demand. purchases happening. Mm-hmm. Throughout the last couple of quarters here, one of the things I've been saying here is that the jobs market is the last stronghold for mm-hmm. the U.S. economy. That's starting to slow down here. So we have a chart for initial jobs claims that we're going to pull up here in just a moment. And when we're looking at the initial jobs claims, it's a weekly number, so it can get a little bit volatile. And it's still in somewhat, you know, historic norm levels. It's at 251,000 as of just this morning. Now, this is going to be, I think, the high that we've seen in quite some time. We're seeing an upward trend here. That's a pretty, st- I mean, I, you know, it's if you don't know anything about jobs, yeah. you can see this trend. <laughs> yeah, and, and so this is going to be something to watch here. And there's going to be some verbiage to be mindful of as we continue to move throughout the remainder of 2022. Um, there's going to be things like, you know, for example, uh, unemployment rates at 3.6%, mm-hmm. um, which is strange because the non-farm payrolls increased and then the participate participation rate went down. So essentially it's what it's saying is that there are more jobs being worked, but there are less workers available. So that almost kind of sounds like people are taking on second jobs or part-time mm-hmm. jobs in this economy. And so I, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> um, so job openings, it's very much in bubble territory, right. over 11 million. It's at record highs. So once we start to see some of that continue to come down, mm-hmm. be careful of reading that verbiage of, it came down, but it's still at record levels. Or right. it increased, unemployment increased, but it's still at record levels. That can only last for so long. Once right. a trend is happening, you want to be able to act on it. Right. And the jobs market really being the last stronghold, the, the thin veil between really, uh, a, really a significant decline and collapse in consumer activity and is going to be because the consumer has been able to outride their um, their their sentiment woes, their consumer confidence woes. They've been at record lows for so, so long, but we haven't quite seen that translated just yet. When jobs are gone, they don't, they're not going to have that stability of being able to continue to put purchases on a credit card, even though some available credits really starting to get too expensive for them. They're not going to be able to continue to kind of push week to week to week or month to month or paycheck to paycheck because the paycheck's gone. And then there's going to be that black void that's happening right now in the buy now, pay later that no one's really talking about that can really start rearing its head in, I think, the early parts of 2023. And these are all issues that are really going to kind of stem from the consumer conditions right now. And I got to ask, I read this one thing uh, in the Wall Street Journal this week, and it said, a 100 basis point Fed rate hike on July 27th would increase the cost of credit card debt by $6.4 billion this year, not counting other increases. Mm-hmm. By this logic, is this increasing inflation and is it accelerating like this cycle too fast uh, when, you're, when we're talking about it in these terms? Normally you think about interest rate increases kind of impacting the long run. This sounds pretty near term. Definitely sounds near term. And I think that's kind of one of the ideas around, you know, 
bumping up inflation. So I'm sorry, bumping up interest rates. Yeah. And so this is going to be one of those things where I think the Fed is really, the, the Fed knows what's going on. Right. They can try to put on a, a, you know, a strong face. It's like, hey, you know, there's still a chance for a soft landing and we're going to try to navigate this as best as possible. They, they have to say that. They don't want to sure. incite, uh, you know, a, a bank run or something like that. Right. But um, they're trying to jack up these interest rates as fast as possible. So we have something to leverage back down throughout the midst of a recession. Um, and so when we're looking at these increases in interest rates, there is going to be some demand destruction. Usually we'll see it on the big ticket items. Usually we'll see it at housing and, and construction, which we're seeing that right now with the pull forward and housing already happened and mortgage rates going up and a lot of consumers just saying, hey, not for me right now. This is not the economy for me right now. I can't afford a house. So I think when we're looking at those interest rate increases, there is going to be some demand destruction. And I think that's going to be some of the point. So we can see some of that stop in spending, some of that stop right. in demand and some of that ease right now. But I mean, if we got to buy gas at $5 a gallon, how are you going to crush that demand? So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you probably shouldn't also be using your credit card. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Stop spending somewhere else. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I, I would love to tackle that topic uh, in a little bit more detail. Maybe next week. Maybe yeah. next week. Uh, had to do the earnings this week because they were top of mind and story. So That'll about wrap it up for our show this week. Now, uh, of course, obviously, get on the internet, click subscribe, check us out, uh, give us feedback, good or bad. I'm pretty tough. Anthony, he's a little sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Oh, Dr. Zach Rogers back in it. Armin, increasing interest rates by 100 points will hit retails and jump. I can't read it in the Tell him time. to be, tell him. We, just, you just get him back. Get, get him back on the show. Back Here, on. we got two weeks till the next LMI. That's right. <laughs> and enjoy your He's not teaching right now. He's not. He teaches people online. <laughs> 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 <laughs>